This is SideQuest Completed, the Hoppiest Game Dead podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC, coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. Hello and welcome to Side Quest Completed, the Hobbyist Game Dev Podcast, with your host JC and your other host Calvin. And uh, da, da, da. it's good to to be back. Uh, I I couldn't join you last week, so we've been uh, two weeks out from recording. Uh, although yep. you had a nice uh, little pep talk for for everybody about Global Game Jam last week, so thanks for stepping in to cover that. Yeah, oh, my pleasure. I hope people got something out of that. And hopefully some folks got to do Global Game Jam. I had a interesting experience with that. Maybe a good thing to chat about later. And uh, But that's not today's topic. Today's topic is, I guess, episode one in review. It's a new year, same podcast. We thought something we'd like to start doing, set a, I guess, what the world looking for, tradition of reviewing old episodes. Uh. Um, several new year or end of the last year something like a, that a, a start of year look back yeah 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 which is kind it's of a little bit late well we we already did our new year podcast episode on the 22nd of january so a second new year episode in february is just right on par for us exactly exactly All right um the good news is let me see oh dang i to pull up the notes for episode one but one thing i have done this last week was finally start listening to our own podcast and see how I've been sounding because the only way to really improve mm-hmm. readily is good feedback. And what better way to get feedback on my podcaster job than to actually listen to what I've been recording. Ta-ha. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I use the justification that I can't keep up with all my other podcasts, so I can't afford to listen to myself. <laughs> but but yeah, need to need to do. I mean, plus I'm listening when I do the editing, so it's not like I'm uh, yeah. skipping everything. Yeah, you, yeah, that counts. Doing the editing means you're hitlering it a lot more than I am on a given week, so that counts. If anything, more than me and single listen through. All right, so it's still fresh in my mind. I can't remember if you've heard it or not, but we can go over some of the things we start talking about and see how things have changed, how they haven't, what's new, what's old since then. And you ready to get started? Yeah, definitely. I'm interested All right. to uh, see if if I have anything worthwhile to say I've changed over that time. And hopefully if yeah. uh, either that'll be encouraging or will kick me in the ass. Um, either way is a good thing. <laughs> it could be encouraging kicking the ass. Right. Right. Yep. All right. So topic number one, Overwatch. Yeah. There's a recurring, so, recurring theme. Yeah. Something uh-huh, dear uh-huh. to both of our hearts. Yeah. That's been an interesting up and down. Cause I think shortly after we began, I, I took a hiatus from the game. Um, it too. was taking too much of my time. I was getting really frustrated and angry uh, doing ranked games. Um, so I took a hiatus for a few months, and I ended up going back when I got a new monitor, and I felt like it was an excuse. I, you know, I needed to test it out. <laughs> um, but since I had gone back, I, I don't get angry whenever I play, even if it's a little bit of a rough game. So I'm able to enjoy it more, and I didn't suck up a lot of my time. And um, as as I told you the other night. I have now joined the uh, CEA league uh, team for, for Red Hat. So it's like a, a corporate league uh, who plays for charity. And I did nice. my first practice Monday, and I've got another one tonight. Uh, so now I'm kind of stuck on playing for sure. <laughs> I just say, it's, when it's playing with your coworkers for charity, that's a decent enough excuse to get back into a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. it's not like I haven't been playing for... I, I usually play a couple times a week lately, but... This time that I've gotten into it, I only ever play 
two or three games, depending on how how it's going at a time. I don't play for hours or anything, so it's a mm-hmm. it's not sucking the time out of everything else I could do. Yeah, it's a difference between drinking yourself into a stupor versus enjoying a glass of wine in the evening. Right, and sometimes I do that while I'm playing, so maybe that helps me <gasps> to you know not get frustrated. Oh yeah, very cool. No, for me, I have hardly touched it since we started. I think aside from what the occasional little foray back into it, I know Blizzard made that really easy to avoid the last couple months with like various things they've been doing, especially related to China. Oh no, controversy. So, been passing on that part. Uh, and it's been nice. I've been playing other games and doing other things and getting very solid into my Anthotari habit. So. I feel like I made a good decision to take a break from that particular game, for me to take a break from that particular game. I might double back into it a little bit, just because it's on my mind and haven't played it in a while. And did, did they read a new character recently or not? I'm losing track. Um, I think you've missed a few. I uh, played Baptiste. Uh, who came after him? You may have missed Sigma then? No, I played a little bit of Sigma. Okay, I, was like, I poked in just enough okay, to get, so try out Sigma. You've, you've poked in just to see the new ones, and you haven't missed anything. But you know, both of them had some adjustments already. Um, mm-hmm. Have you played the two 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 change that was only a couple months ago? Yes, I did try that, and that was wonderful. And now, um, could, yeah, we actually had balanced teams. Oh my god! And uh, next season, which is in about um, one month, we're also going to get uh, hero pools and rank. So uh, heroes are going to be taken in and out of rotation every week to mix up the the meta and force people to have more diverse team setups. So yep, that I am that will be an interesting time to jump in, maybe. Yeah, I am very excited for that because if there's one thing that frustrates me, frustrated me even in the two do two play was too many Hanzos, too many Widowmakers, uh-huh, uh-huh. to the exclusion of more needed characters. Like they're they're perfectly good. I don't. But just show up. Mind, so, we're showing up so often. Yeah, I, I don't mind other people playing heroes that uh, repeatedly. I, it bothers me more when. Heroes that I enjoy playing just don't mesh well in the current balance, uh, so I can't play them as much. Yeah. So that that's what I'm interested in more is being able to play more characters more diversely. Um, or like if my best character is out of rotation, then I have to play someone else, and then I can get mm-hmm. more practice on someone else because that's yeah. a chicken and egg problem in comp all the time. You know, if you, if you don't get practice, you lose games playing as a character. But if you don't practice, you'll lose games. So. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully level playing for a little bit for everybody. And goodbye, goats. So that goat was sacrificed. Unless they do a uh, hero pool for a week that is only goats characters. Yep. I can totally see that being a thing. Yeah. So speaking of games, first-person shooters we're playing too much of. uh, Destiny. That's another one I have hardly touched at all these last few months. And I've also not missed. Those tend to get back into the very latest thing. Just because I heard the story part of that was really good. That's all I really wanted. You know, I did too, I, and I wanted to get in, but I just can't. Like the the last couple installments have not been fun for me. Oh. Um, the missions have just been like um, scavenger hunts that are not not enjoyable. They're not fun story missions or interesting or engaging. Um, I did do the move over to um, Steam off of uh, off of uh, Blizzard app, but just make oh, sure my account stayed okay. But um, Ooh, I don't even did that much. But no, I'm just I'm just not interested. Like I, I really want to be. I love the aesthetic of the game, but I don't enjoy yeah. the grinding, and I don't enjoy. I usually play it by just playing through the story missions for each installment, and I don't do a lot of the the, the grindy. 
stuff afterwards. I don't actually enjoy the end game, but I don't even enjoy playing those installments anymore. So, the, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one thing I wish we saw more in gaming is games like that that were see that not seasonal but episodic without the attempt to keep you busy in the meantime. It's something so like if I could just have Destiny to just story mode content, focus on that part with no yeah. having to be bounced various various things or made all little secrets and replay over and over and over. I would subscribe to that and like you know a few dollars a month, just like I would like buying a new book every month and play through it, and would be fine with it being an evolving game over several months. Yeah. If I had to take my sixty dollars, I would otherwise play for a full game and spread over a few months, so that development could be more reasonably paced. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I don't need to play these every night. I I would be really happy with something I can go back to and play. Um, you know, every every couple months, like it's it's either yeah. you either have a game that is supposed to be just like twenty four seven stuff's always going on and and you're always grinding every night or trying to unlock some more loot every night or it's some big epic uh, quest and you pour yourself into it for a month, you beat it, and then you wait three or four years for the next sequel in, of the series. Yeah. I'd like something in no, between that... there. That would be that would be nice. You know, don't don't make yeah. me pour all of my time either over several years or in one month and then nothing for for years. Uh let's yeah. spread it out. Yeah, and I like Network TV had something when it came to episodic content. Yeah. That's the whole discussion there we had about that. Cool. I think anything else, um, other topics, um, there are projects. I was working on the uh, Crystal Beast Tarask, which is initialism for, which is shares initialism with um, cognitive behavioral therapy and not something else. And that, as we find out in the very next episode, I had dropped and haven't picked up back up since, which isn't surprising. It definitely needs to rewrite. But, I have, in the last couple, two weeks, started working from a very interesting book called The Ray Tracing Challenge. It's a book that challenges you to write a ray tracer, a 3D renderer, from scratch. And it does so in a language-agnostic way. It uses Gherkin and Cucumber Test, which are some of my favorite things when it comes to testing. And it makes it very accessible, especially because I finally found a Rust package for Cucumber and I've been making a lot of progress in writing this in Rust. And I'm learning, I feel like I'm learning and mastering Rust, one of my favorite new programming languages, newish, in a way I haven't with other projects because I'm not trying to do it on my own. It's on my own. There's some structure, there's a more concrete goal. And that's doing a lot to direct me in terms of certain solutions and forces me to try out certain things in terms of understanding the memory model and ownership model and all of that. I can't just work around and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to do I've, be clever with it. I've, I've still had only some minimal toes dipped into Rust, but I don't have uses for it that have been really good practices of it. So yeah. it's not been a great experience, but I know that it's because I've just had a not good fits for the language. So um, that sounds like a really fun um, project to to learn more about it and get more in depth and get more experience. Um, yeah, I know a lot I of actually, people have. Uh, I, say, I recently listened to an episode of Talk Python to me, uh, which was talking about the environmental impact of uh, of computing, about yeah. how code efficiency and server architecture and all these different ways that uh, 
that the cloud systems can hide the energy costs of uh, our software and our software as services. And even though it was all in the context of optimizing Python and, and where you're running it and a lot of other aspects, it made me think really hard about the language itself and the runtime and the energy efficiency of the things that I do build and as, an, as another incentive to learn Rust. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Especially because there is some surprisingly good bindings between Rust and Python, or as I tried with uh, CBD, CBT, sorry, the Ruby and Rust bindings. And they make it surprisingly easy to offload your computationally onerous task to Rust while maintaining the flexibility of the your other language of choice in the Rusty application. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I really love the... Um the relationship between Rust and other programming communities, it's very strong. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, there's always this sort of uh, tension between uh, language communities, but for, for whatever reason, Rust has been able to build up not taking people from other communities, but uh, borrowing them and connecting these communities. You know, because there are uh, Rust programmers who are Python community members and, and stay in both communities, and there are Rust JavaScript people, there are Rust Ruby people. I... It's an interesting phenomenon with that language that makes it sort of stand out from other other languages that have taken attention away from other communities that came before them. You know, it's not really um, taken anything away from the other communities. It's just added things that we can all share and, and use. Yeah. I bet a lot of that comes from the inclusiveness fostered in the Rust community. We're much more interested in being inviting and a safe space and all that where people can compare things without being defensive or feeling like they need to, to defend themselves. And otherwise, finding the best solution versus solving and rest for the sake of solving it. That that may owe a lot to uh, Mozilla as the steward of the language. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're good people to watch over the community and to foster the kind of interactions and people that have built it up to a pretty good community. Yeah, I don't know much of the way of particulars. It would be interesting contrast to Google's stewardship of Go and how that's shaped the community in its interactions with other languages. Yeah, yeah, I don't know nearly yeah. as much about Go. Um, I'll admit that I, I will have assumptions about the difference of how a Google stewarded language would come out, but I can't be, you know, a hundred percent. I can't be sure what the what that's really like because the community is not just so. Yeah. Sure what, Came out. Plus, I think that um, programming communities have improved over time, and mm-hmm. I think every new programming community then benefits from starting better than the old ones. Did. Oh yeah, very very true. All right, try to think. Um, do you have the notes from the first episode? Show notes. Remember if we do or not. It's a good question. Um, we can see I have the original first ones here. We'll go through and look for those right quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Right, link me up. So, uh, one thing that I know we talked about a lot on that first episode and for the first several episodes uh, was your new job. Yeah, because you were we were starting that right whenever you were wrapping up your last job and about to to move and uh, to start a, a new gig. Um, and I know you've been there for a while now. So that you know, how how has that gone? Because if you want to look back at like you know maybe in particular, has that change impacted your game time your game development time or, or approach at all oh yeah definitely so i'm still loving my new job it's definitely my the best one i've had to date objectively speaking the thing growing as a developer oh, oh thank god I, when i asked that question i was worried like oh man what if he hates his job yeah well they hit the job just yeah. opened up a can of worms like, no nope loving it 
Uh, right now, I'm on the beach, as they say it. So between clients, I've been using that time to do all the rest stuff lately. So I'm encouraged to find stuff to do to keep busy and develop myself as a developer in between work. And they actually give you that downtime to develop yourself versus always being busied with something the deliverable. I wouldn't be able to learn rest if I didn't have this kind of downtime for it. And this kind of downtime lets us learn things proactively that makes us better developers and more useful to our clients in a way that always delivering wouldn't. So I'll be able to, for example, when Rust gets really popular with data science in the next two to four years, as I predict, I'll be there saying, hey, I know Rust. And we'll be able to dive right into that. So that's been a big blast. The, uh, so been a big blast. Also travel. The Python paradox, as, as Paul Graham coined it, continues to live on in, in many languages today. Um, so this, I, I try to always come back to that, that essay when looking at when evaluating new languages. Um, I think Rust is is squarely in that in that land right now. That space of it's useful and popular enough to get jobs, but not enough where you have a huge amount of competition from other people doing it. So yeah. it's, it's kind of in that sweet spot. Um, I think Python has kind of reached the other end of that. Uh, it is so large, and there's so many people. Um, the language itself is not enough to create that, but. Um, the different specialties within it certainly still are. Oh, very much so. And it's been, I know it's been reaching out into data science. A lot of people using it for that. There's been a whole other, bunch of other people into tech and into the Python field. But yeah, it's become very mainstream in many, so many ways. Yep. So it might be all more reason to learn some Rust. Yeah. Cool. Um, I was just um, looking up our notes and I was looking at, so our first episode was recorded uh, March 11th last year. Whoa, so yeah. So it's been... Ten, but, uh, not 11 months, so almost a year. I didn't mean uh, You know, we're, which I now realize we should have just waited like four weeks and we could have done this on an anniversary recording, but yeah, that's ruined that now. Oh, so. <laughs> oh well. Uh, oh, I well. didn't I didn't think it had been that long, actually. It feel, I thought it was more like in the summer that we started. Yeah. Um, and it might be yeah. because we did, I think we, we did like a handful of practice episodes mm-hmm. uh, to kind of get a rhythm and um, to figure out how we wanted to do everything before we actually started uh, putting them out. Yeah. So maybe that's why the timeline felt off to me. Yeah, we did build a bit of a buffer, too, so that when the pickups, we weren't, let's say, fall that far behind. In theory. In theory. In theory. All right. Yeah, in, theory, in, <laughs> in practice, we never use a single one of those buffer recordings because we always talk about timely things, like what are we doing this week? Yeah. So they're not actually... You just, we, if we ever going to make that work, what we need to record things that ha- that don't mention anything we're doing at that time that are only topical. Oh, still there? Still there? Yes. Oh, okay, you just cut off at the end of the sentence, and I wasn't sure if you like cut off, cut off, or just been clipped. Okay, yeah, that is very true. Like the game jam stuff, we'll do other stuff. This is more of like a post show discussion, but yeah, yeah, learning. Something I always talk about later would be like a one of our podcast learning experiences. Very the little extra meta. Yeah, that's that's true. We should do an, a podcast episode about our podcast. Ooh. Uh, one. Ooh. Um, so one thing I did talk about in the first uh, episode, although as I look back at this and I mentioned the whole, we mentioned the whole buffer. I don't know that we actually used the episode that these notes are from, but at the time we started, I had just released uh, my fir- a, a game to sort of experiment with what happens when I put a price tag on the game instead of just throwing it out somewhere. Mm. Trying to practice that on a small project, you know, and that was that uh, the 
chromoblast game that I made over a couple of months at the beginning of last year, which was small but complete and just a, an idea I had that I wanted to tinker with and I wanted to, to polish up and, and put out. And actually sold a couple copies. Nice. But I also sold literally a couple copies <laughs> and have not seen any other attention to it um, for the whole year, even though I've had it up on a couple places that rotate announcements of, of, of games. I see it actually get uh, mentioned on Twitter and picked up, but never I didn't get traffic, but no other sales for, for a year. Uh, so. uh, but it was honestly, it was such a tiny little thing. It doesn't bother me, but uh, so... It was not the bigger thing I'm worried about is it just didn't give me a chance to practice like, you know, dealing with any any market. That was what I wanted. And I don't think I think I need to get I wanted something enough to warrant even just like a dollar sale, but small enough that it can just be a practice run. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I, I I think I missed the mark, but I don't want it to take up time away from the actual projects I want. You know, I just I don't want the project I really care about to be the first one that I try to sell and don't know what I'm doing. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes entirely too much sense, in fact. Oh, so there? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, w- which, of, which of your games that you were working on at the time was uh, written in Rust? Uh, that was the CBT game. Yeah, that was that one? Okay, I thought I thought that was Ruby with it was Rust bindings both. or something. Yeah. Both. Oh, okay, that was both. It was okay. pro- yeah. so yeah, we had a note from them saying that you were working on on a Rust game, and I wasn't sure if it was that or if there was another one that was 100%. Yep, it was started, prototyped in Ruby, and then I migrated it over to Rust piece by piece as an experiment as part of learning how to do Rust in the context of Ruby, which I already know very well. Cool. So definitely a successful experiment, positive results, and one for the archives. I guess we talked a little bit about the topic from that first published episode, too, Burnout. Not paradise, just sad kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a constant struggle. Um, and you know, that's something that I think software developers as a whole have a problem with. Um, it's something that side projects um, suffer from the most because whenever you hit burnout or are nearing burnout, the things you're not being paid for uh, or aren't being paid as much. You know, even if you're selling something on the side, it's not your main job or your main income. So they always end up going first or you know being dropped because you, you can't so it's um it's frustrating um that you kind of have to expect it i think at least that's that might be different people but I, I i've come to expect burnout in a certain rhythm um and try to work around it well yeah something you have to learn to watch out for and detect coming early on yeah and I, I I'm not convinced that you can always do that in the hopes of stopping it so i often have to look at when i see it coming how do i prepare for it uh, you know, try to decide when you don't have the burnout, try to make your decisions around, okay, when when I need to, what things can I drop, um, what notes or, or things I need to wrap up so that um, I can pick them up after the burnout's done, and you might need to allow that break to happen. Yeah. Um, and I've had to do that a, a couple times, um, and I think I'm getting a little better at that. Um, and kind of, I think I can get through it faster if I don't beat myself up about it. Oh yeah, that definitely helps. That's the one thing I learned. Yeah. So part of not beating myself up about it is managing not just um, not just the stress or the anxiety that creates the burnout, but managing the actual fallout, which still can happen even if you manage the best you can. And so when it does hit, um, trying to manage the effects so that they're not discouraging you to the point that they stretch themselves out. Right. Yeah, you know, burnout can have this feedback loop, and that's what I focus on trying to break now, rather than avoiding it entirely. 
Yeah, similar thing. Just like have your sustainable ways of downtime, uptime versus crashing super fast into a super hard wall and breaking yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, have you, um, I think I, I, and I'm, maybe I'm um, misremembering. I feel like I talk more about actually hitting burnout than, than you do. Um, and I don't feel like I've heard as much like uh, personal anecdotes of burnout from you. Uh, are, are you lucky to have avoided hard burnout a lot or have we just not hit that topic or am I just, yeah. being terrible and forgetting. I think it was a job change meant I was not burning myself out the way I was before. I was getting close to it with my last job, and that's one reason I bailed and went for something better. And the new job has been much less stressful. Even with the travel, which is tiring, doesn't hasn't burned me out in the same way that these aspirations of my last job were threatening to do. I feel like I've been I feel like I've done much more satisfying work. And I've had that downtime between clients to actually recuperate and refresh and re-energize. And that has made all the difference. That and also working on my projects in very sustainable ways. For example, always having one small thing I do every day in Atatari for, as of today, would be a, I'm looking it up, um, a 212-day streak. Which is no small feat. Nice. So you're not counting like I've a specific thing you've done. It's just done a thing every day. Right. So that there's flexibility still in, in what you're doing. Is that is that about right? Yes. Yeah, so what I do is a moving target to accommodate um, my place in progress. So if I'm focusing on one thing, that one thing counts, be it writing 400 words of content or spinning a Pomodoro on edits or 400 words of developer notes or... Pomodoro on sketching songs for the new character, so on and so forth. Whatever needs to be done, I find a reasonable slice of time or effort I put to do for that each day and just do it every day. And it's been unbroken since then. So even with like a, a distressingly eventful like end of, the, end of the year and start of the year, that uh, streak remained unbroken thanks to the habitualness of it and the not wanting to break that streak. I've gotten a lot more done in those last several months than I would have otherwise. Sounds really encouraging. Yeah. I think I need to I need to take a look at, at something like that for myself. I I um I kind of came up with this, like this this grid of uh, of grid of the things I'm trying to push on. Like I need to practice my art. I need to practice my writing. I need to code on my game. And those are the things I need to push. And so I have like this checklist of here's the things I want to do a little bit every day. Man, that's yeah. We you know try to find. Trying to find a little bit of time for for everything every day, like you know, do a little drawing every day, write two hundred words every day, spin a Pomodoro on code every day. Uh, that's so hard to keep up with, uh, but the flexibility of do a thing a day. Because um, if you just do one thing on one of those three, and you actually do it every day, that will see you get a lot more done and be much more practiced than if you. Don't if you I'll try to do all three for a week and then don't do it for a month. Yeah, I, I think that meshed with some other things I've been reading and listening to about um, about keeping up with projects. Like one thing, um, one thing I was trying to internalize that I've not done well with yet is you don't have to write every day. Maybe set a a writing day in the yeah. week. You know, if you can't find twenty minutes a day to write, can you find an hour to write every weekend? Exactly. Um, 
Exactly. And it also gives that flexibility of that the whole idea of the daily um, the daily ticks towards progress. You know, is is great. But if you set yourself up to where that creates a streak you can break, that can be so disheartening mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. if you, if you make it easy fail at that you're just creating a discouragement where you even though you've got that that huge streak it, you've set it up in a way that is pretty flexible and you have lots of options for keeping it going. exactly so it's not exactly. creating this danger of stabbing yourself in right because it can be very hard to find like an hour and a half to do a specific thing every single day when it's not part of my job so having that Usually nothing more than 30 minutes I can find somewhere. Even it might be at 12.15 a.m. Knocking it out. At least be done. Committed. One second. My watch is making weird noises at me. Okay. But yeah, that's the whole thing. Is like making achievable makes it, well, achievable. Yeah. I'm One thing I'm trying to do a little better with this year is when I set up plans for how I'm going to work, how I'm going to be productive, and how I'm going to keep myself moving is to allow the plan itself to be more flexible, to learn as I go, you know, so I'm not trying to like, okay, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to make a, a Seinfeld style X every day calendar for progress. And, uh, you know, I got to make sure that I do that the whole year so that I can look back at the progress and instead keep looking what every week to week, what can I do different that will improve the, the way I'm working that will take away the barriers um, that I can learn from other people who are, are, doing a part of it better than me or who are messing something up that I can then learn from and, and adapt. So I'm, I'm always, always on the lookout for like, what, what can I learn from when I see somebody else? Learn something? Yes. Yeah, that's how you learn. All right. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always kind of been attached to the process too much. And so like I get, uh, I get hooked on, um, hooked on the, the, the system itself and too rigid. And so I'm trying to avoid that and, that itself is a... Uh, oh, struggle is real. So uh, one thing that I want to recommend in that context is something I picked up since the first episode called Dailyo. I mentioned it before, but the D-A-Y-L-I-O mobile app for mo- mo- uh, emotion tracking. That's how I track the streaks every day. I also use Dailyo, Sweet. actually. Um, I've been using it, actually, since it's, I've done it 272 days in a row. So I think about as long as we've been doing the podcast nice. yeah i've worked my way up to like five or six daily things emphasis on the worked up to started with one or two daily tasks added one maybe two at a time and only like gradual growth made it sustainable if i tried to do six new things all at once it would not have worked i i had really only been using for mood tracking up until recently and it was actually um conversation with you that made me think about using it uh, I, for, for whatever reason. I just kind of had a blind spot for its streak tracking uh, feature. Uh, but now I've been trying to use that as well. And it is helpful. awesome. Um, I'm using it more so, for personal things like take my medicine every morning. And now I'm going to start easing into productivity streaks as well. Um, but I want to make sure that I, I'm trying to put all my eggs in one basket unless it's a really sturdy basket. It's a lot of sense. All right. So I think um, we've covered a lot from this episode. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, call it a night? Um, no, no. Um, I, I will quickly, though, say I, I've had some good progress on some of my Ooh. work lately, and I hope that, uh, you know, I wanted to focus this episode just on this look back since that was our topic. 
Uh, so I'm looking forward um, next time on us both being able to talk about the stuff we've actually been nice. doing and, and building. We talk a lot about our week-to-week activities, a lot of non-game dev stuff. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to what have we actually been building. Me too. And uh, speaking of things you've been working on. Hello, possum friend. Goodbye, possum. Hello, possum friend. Goodbye, possum. Hello, possum. <laughs> I can't stop you from editing it out. I would not feel bad if you did, but I said you leave it in. Make sure you share this with the rest of the listeners. Thanks for listening to the SideQuest Completed Podcast. If you aren't subscribed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also find all our episodes and our RSS feed at SideQuestCompleted.com. Subscribe today and don't miss an episode posted every Wednesday. Keep game devving and we'll see you next week.